Welcome to the Horrible Things Podcast. This is a true crime and disaster podcast where we talk about all things horrible, whether that be murder cases, natural disasters, although I don't... Murders in natural disasters, (laughs) man-made disasters, robberies. You get the point. Horrible things. My name is Emma Sexton. I am your host for this podcast, and today I am joined by none other than... Caitlin Fu, the classic... Uh, guests on this podcast this back again horrible things podcast it's been so long it feels weird it has been we've been on it's summer we've been traveling doing our yes. thing being becoming cultured i literally uploaded two episodes of this podcast on a train in italy <laughs> so now you guys know the new emma and caitlin you're listening to are more cultured than the than the ones from past podcasts (laughs) i've seen things we are new i've seen a pigeon attack someone i've seen i saw i I saw so many great things that's what i choose to talk about pigeons attacking (laughs) people so i was in europe and um highlight probably the rat i saw running (laughs) through the bushes (laughs) what was the highlight of europe though for you oh shoot she went all over the place oh i i know the okay so i went to paris and then florence and then rome and i'll tell you the highlight that could have been Emma's highlight, but wasn't, was a pasta making class that I was taking and it was the best thing ever because it was super like, like, you know, when you're walking through like a different place and you're looking up at people's apartment windows and you're like, I wonder what it's like to be like a local here. Yeah. It's kind of, you actually got the experience because it was me and my, um, and my aunt's friend, like one-on-one with an, an actual like Italian family and we just cooked That's with so them. awesome it wasn't even like a class really it was like they were you were just walk went into their apartment and they're like oh here's how we make our usual dinner and then they just how was the food amazing and emma was also in rome at the same time and i invited her to come this is true and she did not come because she's a coward okay. and hates here's food. the thing it was a little pricey for me uh but i wanted to go so bad my whole family though when we were in Rome, the thing is, like, we are in Rome for two days, right? So mm-hmm. we had to go. We saw, like, everything that we could possibly try to see in Rome in two days, which led to us walking around in Rome for, like, eight hours the day that you texted me. And I was like, there's <laughs> no way my family's, like, getting up at this point. Like, everyone's feet hurt. And I was like, okay, you know what? Yeah, I had a lot more time in Rome. So I think that was the day where it's, like, because I was there with my cousin, my aunt, and then my aunt's friend. I think that was the day we kind of broke off and was like, we kind of saw everything we needed to. Now it's like, do what you want. And that I wanted priceless memories, Emma. That's what I wanted. <laughs> memories I, wanted, I will cherish forever. I went to the Coliseum that day. And it was so funny because my whole family is kind of like movie buffs, you know. Especially my dad. He loves movies. And so we go to the Coliseum and we're like looking around. We're with this one, like, lady who's an archaeologist, mm-hmm. and she was, like, showing us around because we wanted to skip the line, so we just did that. <laughs> and she was, like, telling us all this awesome stuff and, like, about archaeology and the history of the place. And my dad just goes, do you know where they shot the movie where Bruce Lee and Chuck Norris fought in the Coliseum? I was did like... She know? She didn't know, <laughs> but I was like, Dad, this is, like, an 
ancient piece of beautiful architecture filled with history of thousands of years and okay, you're asking Lee. about chuck norris and bruce it was Lee. so funny speaking but, of the coliseum and favorite Ita- memories from rome um my so while i was at the cooking class with my aunt's friend my aunt and my cousin were at the coliseum and my cousin was doing a tour but it was too hot for my aunt so she just kind of sat outside waiting and she was saying how she kept getting harassed by like street people walking by the club <laughs> yeah the water you know, bottles the Italians. and she said at one point she was sitting there minding her own business like basically almost at the last straw because so many people already came up to her like trying to sell her stuff or like whatever hit on her and whatever and then um, she, so she hears a, someone walking over to her and a grown man dressed as pinocchio <laughs> uh stands over her and says do you want to get coffee <laughs> and she said yes right and that was the last straw and she said she just got up and just was like i'm, I'm sorry and just like left like she that's just so left the funny. area oh I'm my not- gosh so that's horrifying pinocchio a grown man dressed ex- not like just his outfit like he was a pinocchio cosplayer how like, do you know it was like pinocchio what if he was he got the nose oh he had the, the nose. wooden nose and he's staring if you at think her. about it anybody could be cosplaying uh, as pinocchio when he's a real boy and you just wouldn't know it i the worst <laughs> joke this podcast has ever had but imagine a grown a grown italian man with a giant fake wooden nose attached to him and he's like do you want to get coffee but I guess on the topic of Italy. On the topic of Italy. Emma's got something in store today that she just told... She was avoiding telling me the topic of I was, because I knew you weren't going to like it. (laughs) So, Emma, what are we talking about today? Today, we are covering Il Mostro di Firenze, which in English... (laughs) In English, that means the monster of Florence. So today, we are covering an Italian serial killer. And I told Emma repeatedly, as we were in the car after filming our last, last podcast, I was in a mood because I was like, this is so morbid. I What was the last one we did? It was um the it was the one we did with Larson. And it was oh, the old Hollywood Ripper. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting there in the car. Or maybe it was... Oh, no. I think Chase was there. So maybe it was an earlier one. Oh, Greystone Mansion. Mm-hmm. That one's been... It long. was... I, I totally forget. But we were in the car and it was night and I was like... I'm like, Emma, I can't handle another serial killer. No more. I episode, like, I sleep at night in fear every night because of this podcast that I'm a guest <laughs> on. Because I just sit here and Emma tells me the most horrible things I've ever heard in my life. And I have to sit here and be like, ha yeah. And so I was like, you know what? Next one, it's got to be a robbery where no one gets hurt or something like that. And here I am sitting. And Emma was like, because I was thinking of doing the Monster of Florence. And I was like, no. Here's That's the thing. The one though. I refuse to do. And I sit here and I'm like, so what's the topic for today? And Emma goes, the monster of Florence. This one is crazy. But here's the thing though. Like, I'm not a normal human being. So when I went to Florence, uh-huh. I was literally there and I was like, this is I like I know things about this city because of researching for this case. Oh, and like I read this book, which everyone should read by Douglas Preston called the monster of florence and it's like about the investigation that he did and um he did with mario spezzi who's like a, an italian uh, journalist it's all about the investigation it's like a book all about the case and the trials and it's so amazing and that's what like piqued my interest in this case in the first place and then after i went to florence i was like yeah i definitely have to do this because it's so like that city where it's so beautiful and like everything seems so nice and like the it's you know 
old and ancient and classy and you think all these great things but then under the surface is like there's so much and there's nothing else that's bad about it emma please don't ruin my favorite city in italy for me (laughs) no because we both visited florence when we were in italy and i was there and i knew of the monster of florence i don't know any details i just know it's one of the worst events yeah it's terrible and i was walking through and i was like i'm so glad i did not do the monster of florence episode because this is a beautiful city and i love to just think about how angelic and perfect and not evil this city is well you know what it made me more cautious and you know what it made emma (laughs) want to put me through this again i know i have to share it with someone it's so good ruin my favorite city like it's not good you know what i mean the crimes are obviously awful but the if you look into emma's eyes she's full you see flames within her (laughs) eyes she's course like the events that happen surrounding this case are just so insane that it's really really interesting to talk about so i say we just get right into it if if we have to i'll be here to make my comedic commentary every now and then but i think i'm ready i'm i'm me blabbering on is mentally preparing myself so also i'm i mentioned you know a couple minutes ago just about douglas preston and Mario betsy um i'm gonna be talking about them kind of a little bit throughout telling this case because i think betsy has like a very very interesting perspective to kind of talk about this case from just considering all of his history with the case and the fact that he was on it from the very beginning and he was literally at the very first crime scene that um that really made news and started making it evident that this was a serial killer he was on the case like the first news reporter and he's been with it up until the the very very end so i will kind of talk about him and a little bit about douglas preston throughout this but it's still gonna be you know mostly on the case and the events of the case well it's really interesting always to hear the perspective and the story told by the person who's on the case like you know paul holes when he yeah. talks about like the serial killers he's had to like investigate and stuff paul it's holes. like paul holes do google him he's a <laughs> god but it's just like interesting because you kind of hear it from the outside like wikipedia page type like this is exactly what happened but when you're hearing it from the person who actually investigated it and yeah got that information it's like okay this is really like you're there this is and i heard someone said once i feel like it might have been billy jensen maybe it's somebody else another crime writer or podcaster or something said that in like true crime podcasting we focus so much on the fact that there are monsters out there you know whether mm-hmm. it be a serial killer uh, a robber someone who assaults someone else there's so many monsters out there and it's st- very nice sometimes to focus on the people the who are heroes yeah. yeah and mario's betsy in this case i think is one of the outstanding heroes of the case and so it's kind of nice to focus on that for a change to see that like as much bad as there is there's people who are equally willing to fight for justice and mm-hmm. the truth so that's nice so as we go into this i think we should start um if you're as we go through the story and you're cringing because it's so horrible as you're listening, just know I'm doing it too. I'm your, you're going to live through me in this podcast. I'll be speaking for all you out there who are horrified by this story. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So general overview to start it off. So between 1974 and 1985, 14 people were murdered by the serial killer, the monster of Florence, while they were having sex in parked cars in the Florentine Hills. 
So not in the main city of Florence, but kind of in the outside where not a lot of tourism, you know, because it's mostly just Mm -hmm. all views and like looking at pretty stuff rather than going to see structures and ancient Florence and things like that. The case was the longest and most expensive criminal investigation in Italian history to this day. It's uh, it it hasn't been solved. So it is a cold case. And more than 100,000 men have been investigated as suspects in I this case. hate cold cases more than anything else because it's like no satisfaction. Like, I'll watch BuzzFeed Unsolved, but at the end of it, I am unsatisfied and I'm angry. Yeah, and this is crazy too because not only were there like 100,000 people investigated, but twelve more than 12 people were actually arrested. So there were a series of arrests and kind of like, oh, well, that's not the guy and that's not the guy and that's not the guy. That's so. Crazy. It's yeah, it's kind of crazy. So it all this whole explosion of in Italian culture of looking for the monster of Florence and trying to figure out who it was began in June 7th of 1980 in June 7th on June 7th, 1981. So um, this is the beginning in 1981. It's not the first murder of the monster of Florence, but it is the beginning of the murders getting more frequent because the very first murder that um may or may not be but is probably connected happened in 1968 then there was another one in 1974 and then there was one in 1981 and then after that it was another one in 1981 then 82 83 84 85 Mm -hmm. so after waiting like six to ten years in between the murders they all of a sudden started happening you know every single year like it was escalating out of nowhere pretty much Mm -hmm. so on that day, June 7th, 1981, Mario Spezzi was the journalist who was covering the crime desk that morning at uh, the newspaper he was working at. At Crime Central. It was called La Nazione. Mm-hmm. So he gets this call saying that they found a body um, in the Florentine Hills. And what they found was actually one of the most gruesome scenes that you could possibly imagine, oh. e- even for someone who's a crime writer. So what they saw were the dead bodies of Giovanni Faggi, who is 30 years old, and Carmela Di Nuccio, who is 21 years old. So they're still very young. And they're, the man is in his car. So Giovanni's in, in the car still, and he's mm-hmm. been shot. And Carmela is lying a few feet away uh, from the car in the grass. And she had been shot. A gold chain had oh. fallen between her lips. So it was like kind of covering her face and her vagina had been cut out with a knife. Oh, my God. Yeah. So I, it's uh, I hate the mutilation stuff, like especially it's like, so creepy. It like says so much about this, the killer, you know, but it's also yeah. just like hard to hear about like uh, everything about it. It's just so they because of that fact of the crime, they assumed that the killer was a guy yeah just that the motive had something to do with hating women Mm -hmm. so another weird thing about this crime was that there had been no fingerprints on the body no anything on the body there she had not been sexually assaulted before or after her death the only thing that happened was that her vagina had been cut out and 
they the medical examiner said that the mutilation was so clean that they thought that the killer might be either a butcher or a surgeon because it was so clean Mm -hmm. and they also said that since the the knife had a particular notch in it like a uh, a way it curved that it would pro- it was probably cut out with a scuba knife mm. yeah so it's like completely brutal and just very creepy the idea of like the only you know you would think that with that sort of a mutilation it would be some sort of crime that's like sexual in nature yeah but definitely. then the fact that and also luckily this was done post-mortem i mean it's awful oh, regardless yeah. but it's no, she didn't have to, like... She didn't have to suffer, suffer through, through that. that yeah. But it's still so strange to me, that fact that it was, like, no, no touching, no anything, just cutting out someone's mm-hmm. vagina. Like, that's really, really creepy to me. Because the other unusual. thing, too, is, like, it's a very... There's something about the... It tells a lot about the killer when they do something that takes time, like stabbing or, like, cutting and stuff. It's surprising that she just got shot, which is a very quick, not, like intimate type of like killing and then he goes in and does the like the yeah time the thing that takes a lot of time and whatever you'd think that i don't know just how i'd imagine it is if he's gonna take the time to do that he would like there'd be kind of stat something else that would have been yeah. done to her you know Instead and it's also sh- scary that the idea that because like i said earlier all of the couples that he murdered were having sex at the time that he murdered them mm-hmm. so it's just kind of creepy also the thought of like thinking you're alone and then it's just this really truly a monster waiting you know it's terrifying so that would be a like to the turn of events yeah they experienced terrifying it's yeah it's really sad so spetsy um obviously went back and he was going to write an article when he was given this information that caused him to realize that there was a similar um killing that had happened in florence in 1974 and this was the deaths of and i have to say i don't speak italian i might pronounce these names wrong i'm very sorry in advance but that was the death of pascali gentacore and he was 19 years old and stefania petini 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 you got it okay stefania (laughs) petini that's what i'm going with they were shot to death and stabbed and um stefania was stabbed and mutilated but she was stabbed 97 times yeah after being shot that's what i was talking about you know i'm surprised there wasn't something like that with the other girl just considering how intimate the mutilation was you know yeah it's just honestly all of those things just in my brain kind of point towards someone who clearly hates women because Mm -hmm. the guys were shot and left in the car typically and the women were dragged out and mutilated and stabbed it's it was horrible like that all the time where it's like the way that they kill um a woman or like if they especially if they have a guy and a girl and the way they kill one and not the other is it says a lot about their motive and kind of why they're doing it yes there's really no other reason to just you know and it's even more disturbing, I guess, because she was 18 years old. Like, she's the, she yeah. was the same age that we are now when she died. It's crazy. It, for some reason, that really, like, hit me because I was just like, man, there's so many things I haven't done. And they were always, they or they were also having sex in their car, right? Yes. So that's another thing. Um, they, the police, when they saw that these crimes were kind of similar after Spetsy had written about it, 
they found that the bullets had been fired from the same gun. The bullets that killed oh. both people in the couple had been fired by a 22 caliber Beretta um, with Winchester Series H copper jacketed rounds. So it's like this specific type of bullet, which came from the same box of 50. Mm-hmm. So this crime in 1974 and this crime in 1981 had been the bullets that killed all of these people came from the same box of ammo and came from the same gun. And they knew it for a fact because the gun had a defective firing pin. So on each shell of the bullets, there was a little mark from where Uh, it had gone wrong, basically. So they knew for a fact that it was the same exact gun and the same box Mm. of ammo, probably, that had killed both of these couples. So that's when they were able to say, we have a serial killer on our hands. It's really str- so. First of all, the I'm thinking about how far apart the two killings were, you know. Yeah. But it's also kind of strange because so they were both having sex in their car, right? Yeah. That's not something that happens super often, I'd say. It does though in Florence, and I was actually just really? about to get into that because Florence there's getting it on. this is what I, when I was talking about earlier about how there's some weird things you kind of don't see on the surface. Mm-hmm. Florence is beautiful and wonderful but there are some certain customs which lead people to often have sex in their cars in the florentine hills like people usually don't move out of their parents house in florence until they get married Mm -hmm. so because of that it's kind of a tradition among young people to if you want to have sex you have to leave and go have sex in your car so it's a they call it in this article, quote, national pastime that I'm that I was reading here. They called it a national pastime of people having sex in their cars. And another weird thing that's happened in response to that is there's these people who it they're called Indiani. That's what Florentines call them. But it's this whole underground culture of people who watch other people have sex Ugh. in their cars. Like there's oh. there's a name for them and everything because they what they do is they find like this whole group of people who are basically a giant collection of peeping toms yeah, yeah. find the quote best cars uh. that they can find in the hills and then they'll like pay each other to get those spots and like there's this whole group a community of these people who just watch other people have sex is in that cars. still going on yes okay here with Oh, that's so nasty but also just like i feel like if it's such a like accepted thing that a lot of people are gonna have sex in their cars of course there are gonna be like the pedos out there and like but it's the- like a lot of them that's what that's what i was like wow that's weird because it's like a thing like people will buy equipment specifically to do it i'm just not super surprised because people are creeps you know like yeah people are gross like to be oh my god just knowing that maybe like 20 guys are watching me from the bushes like yeah it's really creepy i like see see what i mean it's like that weird it's like it's not as bad as murder clearly but it's just unsettling i it's just creepy and that that kind of gives way to like because that's what i was gonna say like i thought it was strange at first where it's like oh he's only targeting people having sex in cars like does he have to look out for them and like hunt them down because i thought it wasn't super common but now that i know that there's this whole culture it kind of makes sense in a way that this is who he's targeting because it's more common and like people look you know yeah the police actually what they did to arrest their first suspect was they went into this 
culture of Indiana people voyeurs mm-hmm. and they went they went there and they said who usually watches this car oh who usually watches this couple and that's how they arrested their first suspect because he was watching the car that night but he said he would he had left before the monster had that's what i was struck. gonna say because if there's enough people watching you think they would have noticed one i guess not it was just like people had their specific cars and if they weren't there that night they just weren't there mm. but they arrested their first suspect and he was actually someone who was supposed to be, who usually watched that car not supposed to be he was not supposed to be but who usually watched that car but then he was exonerated a few months later because the monster florence struck again in uh northern florence and he used the exact same beretta and uh this is the deaths of stefano baldi who's 26 years old and susanna camby who's 24 years old and susanna interestingly enough had told her mom that she thought there was someone following her the way the day that she died and um she it's very sad because it was the same mutilation her they were Mm. both shot but her vagina had been cut out and taken away from the crime scene oh taken. yeah they weren't there oh that's they were taken he took them with him oh that's nasty yeah it's it's horrifying yeah that's for sure you said you can say that again just the idea of having detached limbs oh. around you is oh god that's that's too much that's disgusting the it's mo- so awful but because of this third double homicide everyone in florence is panicking at this point yeah. there's like headlines all across italy not just in florence because it's i mean it's everywhere so betsy gr- is kind of the main person who's doing all this investigating and all this stuff he wrote 57 articles about it by the time this third homicide had happened 56 50 yeah a lot a lot and this news of the monster of florence is going all around italy at this point I... and spetsy's actually the one who named him the monster of florence oh really That's... mm-hmm He's got a big role in this. He really does. I'm trying to follow you're, his story. You're going to be surprised later because he takes an even bigger role in it, which is very strange. I know it's a cold case right now. Like, I know that, but... He's probably head, dead. In my head, I like to think that at the end of the story, Betsy finds him right before he kills two more people and kicks his butt. That would be nice. Smacks him around. Gives him a taste of his own medicine. I wish. I wish that's how all of it happened. Well, it's just, we can fix the ending at the end. (laughs) Just keep it. We'll edit this. We'll edit it. So the next killing took place eight months later uh, in June of 1982 because the killer tended to strike in the summer in Florence. Weirdly. No one ever really knew why. It's interesting how you wait so long, you know, like to have that. I feel like if you're murdering in the way that he is so like passionately, like by the way he's like cutting them up and stuff and taking it with him you'd think he would have not as much control yeah i don't exactly know what was going on but you'd feel like he'd do it more often if it's like something he got off after like starting to randomly escalate also Mm -hmm. Uh, just a little earlier like he wouldn't wait a whole eight months you know yeah so this this next couple who passed away this is the death of paolo minardi who's 22 years old and antonella migliorni who is 20 Okay, the same gun was used um, in this crime, but the mutilation didn't happen because apparently people were passing by. Like, she was still mutilated and stabbed, but it wasn't to the same extent. 
What do you mean people are passing by? Like on the roads because they were still parked out in the middle of nowhere. But, okay, but no one like saw this happen. No. Okay. There's no witnesses to any of these crimes. Okay. Which is very strange. So 12 days later, um, a letter, which is completely anonymous, arrives at police headquarters in Florence. And inside this envelope that gotten sent to the police is a newspaper clipping talking about a 1968 double murder of a man and a woman who'd been having sex in a parked car. And on the article, someone had written, take another look at this crime. So people... Mm. They, they're starting to get these anonymous letters and something. They don't know if it's from the killer or if it's from just, like, a concerned citizen. But a lot of people think it was from the killer. And this letter that got sent in is actually... There's a lot of conspiracy theories where people think the Zodiac killer and the monster Florence were the same person. That, that's, like, the Zodiac spent was... his summers in Italy or okay, something like that. Okay, because I... What I was going to say was, like... um from what I know about the Zodiac Killer, he also targeted couples. And yeah. Some of the people he killed were in cars in the same way. I was, I don't know, I forget about how he killed the woman or if it differed or the mutilation, but I do remember that he had the same, like, targets. Yeah. So, they go back to look at this old case from 1968, and they find that the bullets, the shells, not the bullets, from this case hadn't been disposed of. They all had the exact same mark from that defective Beretta, Mm -hmm. which means that this 1968 crime was committed with the same box of bullets and the same gun that had been used to kill someone in 1974 and 1981. It was the same gun. But... But... They were confused because the 1968 murders, someone had already been arrested for. Oh. So a woman named Barbara Lochi went to the movies with someone she was having an affair with. Mm -hmm. And um, they parked on this street to have sex after the movie. And also it's kind of double creepy because um, she was having sex while her six-year-old son was sitting in the backseat. Oh, are you? Oh, that is. Yeah. God, people. And she and her lover were murdered while he was in the backseat. What happened to the kid? He was, um, he went to, he was taken away from that situation. And then he went up to somebody's house and was like, he said, my dad's gone. And my mom and uncle, he, he called, he was told to call his mom's like affairs uncle are murdered. So you have to give me a ride. He said, they've been shot. So you have to give me a ride. So the, he was six years old. So so he couldn't. Did the killer bring him to the house or what? Did he like just... There's... I saw a differing opinion. Some people said that the killer carried him away from the house. Some people said that he just ran away, but either way... Or from the car, though. Yeah, yeah from okay. the car. So the killer didn't murder the kid. Interesting. But... It seems like he has some kind of vendetta against just like just couples then, you know? Yeah. Just like the... Even it's not... It's not, clearly not just like, I'm bloodthirsty, I need to kill someone. Yeah, because I was wondering because maybe his main target was couples, but in the end he just wants to murder people people anyone who's in that you know situation so i'd imagine the kid too but the fact that he kind of spared the kid shows that even though obviously he like hates women he probably hates also the idea of just couples like the intimacy between the two people because that seems this crime is literally paramount to the rest of the case this Mm -hmm. one murder because the person who had been arrested for it his name is stefano mele he was the wife or the the wife the husband of barbara loci Mm-hmm. So he, when uh, he was like picked up and questioned, he confessed to killing his wife and the lover, what? right? 
but he couldn't be the monster of Florence because he'd been imprisoned during the first 1981 killing and he'd been living in Verona since then. Oh. So, so how, he couldn't think, have been the monster. Is it one of those... So is it confirmed he killed them or is it one of those issues where it's like he, you know, had to confess to just to confess? Well, here's the thing. This is the beginning of this line of investigation that was taken on by mostly... So really quick, just to give you some background, there's two police forces in Italy. There's the Polizia, Polizia, La Polizia. <laughs> yeah, my I took Spanish one. Yeah, what about it? And then there's the Carabinieri. So Carabinieri is more of like a, I guess it, you could say it's a little bit more intense. It's a little more like a private police force almost because there's less restrictions on them. They kind of just do whatever they want. Oh, they're the the they're a little scary. They're the so. team that movies are made about. The like off the rule book. <laughs> um, we do our own. We follow our own rules type. Yeah. So there's two police forces in Italy and there are two lines of investigation that this whole case goes off on. One line of investigation, which we're going to talk about in this episode, is called the Sardinian Trail mm-hmm. and or the Sardinian Connection. And the other is called the Satanic Connection. Oh, these sound <laughs> so fun. The Carbonieri was mostly interested in following the Sardinian Connection and so was Betsy. So Betsy. Well, Betsy knows what's up. So I trust Betsy. Yes, he's awesome. He's so so awesome. Whatever uh, connection he's following, that's what. He was the first journalist who got to go talk to Melee because he went to the halfway house in Verona, said that he was shooting a documentary on the good work that the halfway house was doing. And then he went in there and he interviewed Melee and he answered all the questions pretty normally, except at the end, he said, quote, they need to figure out where that pistol is end quote and then he said quote otherwise there will be more murders they will continue to kill they will continue they 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 so i I haven't said anything yet but i just want to make a quick prediction okay from my experience so obviously we don't know really what has been happening but just considering the fact that there have been no witnesses and like just this whole culture you were talking about with the indiani indianese uh, might be more than one person maybe it's the monsters of florence it is more than one person in this particular 1968 killing they can't Mm. say for the rest of them but they the police and spetsy learned that it was not just a crime of passion melee killed his wife and her lover it was was it confirmed that he did a clan killing with him and um some other people he was related to oh my his, it focused on this whole line of investigation focused on this murder, which was committed by, most likely, these three brothers, Francesco, Salvatore, and Giovanni Vinci, with Melee. Okay. All three of them had had affairs with Barbara Locci in 1968, and at least one of them was present at her killing. They all had affairs with her? Yes. But they also were helping him kill her? Yeah, because well, they they didn't... I guess they were just jealous, angry. All of them? Just, just they're like... At least one of them. Mm-hmm. And okay. most likely, Salvatore Vinci was the one who actually pulled the trigger on Barbara Locci. Was so, it the same gun? The same Beretta? Yes. Same Beretta. Oh, my God. Well, there we go. 
The, you would think, but it gets so complicated. The, so it's case sol- podcast over. We know who it is. Let's go. We're going back to Florence, Emma. And we're catching them ourselves. But there's so much doubt, though, in all this because, okay, so the police, they arrest Francesco Vinci, first of all, because his car had been hidden on some of the days of the murders and he just had overall suspicious behavior. So they they go to look for him and they arrest him and they keep him in jail uh, until the monster strikes again while he's in jail. So these two men are killed. Um German tourists who were in their camper in on September 9th, uh, 1983. So Wilhelm Friedrich Horstmeier Good and Jens U. Rush are both killed in their camper. However, this is the first killing where the monster makes a mistake because... Wait, are the, is that a girl and a guy? No, it two was gu- two guys. But one of them had long blonde hair. So oh. when the monster was looking into the camper, he thought that it was a guy and a girl. So when he, after he shot them both, he went inside the camper to go do the mutilations, oh. realized that it was two guys. And so he grabbed, they had a um, like pornographic it's, magazine. Yeah. He grabbed it and tore it up and scattered the pieces all outside the camper oh, he's and just raging. left them dead inside there. But it was the police even though this was clearly the monster it was the same beretta that had been used uh-huh. in all the other crimes they refused to release francesco vinci they just would not let him out of jail they thought that maybe one of his uh brothers had committed the crime to get cl- him off they of thought it. it was a clan killing yeah so they definitely thought that he knew something but then the police started to question antonio vinci um and other various members of their family they arrested um francesca vinci's brother and his brother-in-law and then they released them all uh in 1984 mm. after there was another killing which they were they were all exonerated after the killing in 1984 although they probably were both were involved in some way in the 1968 killing they couldn't hold them any longer for the monster florence killings but did they get anything from the other kill no they were all released i don't like them i don't like the (laughs) the feel the look of them i what you're telling me i don't like it so in july of 1984 the monster strikes again this time killing claudio stefanacci and pia gilda rotini uh he left the empty shells uh, which confirmed it was the same Beretta. He mutilated the woman, uh, took her vagina with him from the crime scene, and then also amputated uh, and took her left breast with him. Uh, God, I hate the take you with me. Like, sick. What a sick freak, you know? Yeah, truly. I, people are, not even people, this guy, you know? S- yeah, so that also makes the sixth time the monster had attacked. So he had killed 12 people since 1974 were they having sex yes every single couple without fail there's got to be some kind of like more like some kind of better precaution that the police or these people could take they were handing out cards and like warnings to people in florence saying don't go to the hills at night don't go into the hills at night it's a bad idea there's a serial killer Mm. but still it's like you can't not everyone's gonna listen i mean there's kind of also embedded into their culture or whatever that's like oh it's, there's also the mindset where it's like oh it's not gonna happen to me though you yeah know? so it's like you, it's not like you can necessarily it, it's difficult like i get i get it but at the same time it's like you gotta make 
you got to be careful, you know, when things are happening. Like, mm. yeah, it's honestly really sad. And after this um, 12th murder, there was a special squadron that was formed made out of Carbonieri and police. And uh, it was called the Squadra Anti-Mostro. Literally the anti-monster squad. Oh, and that's it a was, good name. <laughs> Forget the um, suicide squad. We have the anti-monster the anti-monster squad. squad. So they would um, put up warning posters. They were specifically dedicated to looking for the monster of Florence. And they offered a like reward the of $290,000 for information that led I feel to like the capture. The mo- I feel like the monster would have been on that squad that's like that like, type of he, that type of like he wants to like be in like, on, like night his own stalker type yeah. of yeah that's oh, that's so creepy but can you that's creepy to think about like what if he was you know in on that and he's like yeah let's catch the monster but because i'm not saying that's necessarily his like what he would do but if that would be a terrible twist of events yeah if he was like in on it you know look at you you're like i don't i don't want to hear it it's like so horrible and now you're like making it worse yeah guess what i'm not gonna go to bed tonight Evan Sexton. <laughs> i'm you're gonna have to explain to your roommate like what uh what you just did this afternoon you're like oh i just talked about murder for an hour i'm not gonna go to bed tonight and i'm probably gonna regret doing this but <laughs> now that we're into it i might as well be interested you want to in- hear the end it's just i yeah, know and, you want to uh, hear so it. he was never caught <laughs> and he may yeah, still be true. out there but at least there's some sort of there's a little bit more of a tie up here. But um, but you'll have to wait till part two, guys, to hear about that. But um, for Spetsy, this case was basically his entire career. Like people at the newspaper called him the monstrologer because it was pretty much all he wrote about. And he wrote a book on the case. He was like involved in two films that got made about it. He was the guy when it came to getting leads and talking about things that had to do with the monster of Florence case. I feel like being so involved in a case so dark and like horrible like this definitely has to take a toll on your life or something, you know, like a huge part of these articles I was reading. Actually, it's really interesting. You talk about that because they make a point to talk about the fact that Spetsy went to therapy often and he talks about like Spetsy, he had passed away in a couple of years ago, but he talked about openly when he was alive about the fact that going to therapy saved his life because mm. it's it does take a toll on you. Like <laughs> I'm on a murder podcast maybe like twice a month and I've only been on like five episodes and that's already taken like a mental like toll on the way I think and like my fears and stuff. Imagine actually being involved in that Having case. to do that like, every single day. And it becomes your whole career. Like you're the monster all monsterologer 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 like it's i can't imagine it i would never be able to do that you know it definitely takes a mental toll emotional toll on you definitely and so now let's fast forward we just were at um around the fall of 1984 Mm -hmm. now summer of 1985 the monster returns uh, as he pretty much has done every summer for like five years now And a lot of people think this is, like, the most gruesome killing of all the killings. So there were two French tourists who were camping near um, Florence, out in the Florentine Hills. They weren't far from civilization, but they were far enough away that it was kind of removed. And so the killer, the monster, approached the tent that they were sleeping in. A girl and a guy? Yes. 
a pr- not the only killing that wasn't in a car oh. or i guess or a trailer tra- yeah, yeah. but you know nothing with wheels so he comes up to the tent and uses a knife to cut open the tent and the campers there weren't in the tent at this time uh-huh. he opened the tent with a knife but they weren't in there so they hear what's going on and they go like what the heck was that so they go over there but then the monster was waiting for them because he thought that the sound would attract them over there so Dude. he op- he just fires and he shoots the woman in the face and shoots the man in the wrist and this is um the man's name was Jean-Michael Cravicelli and then the woman's name was Nadine Marriott and so he shoots Nadine in the face and then he shoots Jean-Michael in the wrist so Nadine mm. dies instantly but um John Michael starts to run away because he'd been shot in the wrist so he started to just run and then the monster started chasing him oh my and God. he found him in the woods and oh. he cut his throat oh. to, and it was so deep of a cut that it almost decapitated him Jesus. so I... the blood the blood stain stained the tree 10 feet oh above him that's how brutal it was and then the killer went back to um nadine mariette cut out her vagina and cut off her left breast and left and i am never going camping ever again and it's they are sure that that crime occurred on a saturday or sunday night which will come up a lot in the next episode Mm -hmm. the fact that it was on a saturday or sunday and the body since these people were visiting from france it wasn't a reported missing persons right away so they found uh the body around monday on monday and uh it was found by someone picking mushrooms oh my god and so imagine it's i i can't i don't ever want to think about that that's like my worst night one time when i was in middle school to find a dead body like and not even just any dead body like a mutilated like this one time when i was in middle school i was walking from one class to another and i rounded the corner and there was a kid lying on the ground with blood coming out of his head i was with you yes okay caitlin and i went to middle school together there's that kid lying on the ground i remember so vividly the blood coming out of his head i knew that he was okay because i could see that he was still breathing but like, we like run over there we like help him get up whatever but then it like, just makes me think of that i'm like imagine that but like a hundred times worse that already freaked me out times so worse. much it was just some kid that like i think he fell or like got no punched. he got in a fight he yeah. got in a fight and it was just some kid at our school and he was just bleeding you know he got in a fight and he was just but it there. was terrifying to exactly. see someone lying on the ground with blood coming out of their head and then i just think how would how much would that scar you if it was like a hundred times worse than that? If I could picture that vividly Mut- in my head, still mutilated like oh <sighs> it's and awful. I it probably looks even worse because it's days after. So then it it know. was covered in larva, and like. later the way that they found out whether it was Saturday or Sunday night was by like they brought an entomologist who mm. looked at the bugs that were on the body oh my god it's terrible yeah that that part freaks me out that is like oh that's awful and on tuesday after this crime they found the body monday at 2 p.m uh on tuesday one of the prosecutors who'd been on the case sylvia della monica gets another letter in the mail similar to the one they'd gotten last time and it was addressed uh 
like a classic serial killer note, you know, letters cut out of magazines. Oh, you know, cheesy. I and inside was oh. Nadine Marriott's left nipple inside the envelope. And the killer left no fingerprints, did not seal it with his tongue. And after this, Della Monica quit her job in law enforcement because of how scarred she was from receiving this letter, which they knew for a fact then that the monster had been sending them letters. I hate you for making me do this episode. <laughs> I, I'm about to quit my job as a podcast guest star because of how traumatized I am by that. I imagine what she had to go through opening that like it's so and the fact that it's like okay so now you know mm. he didn't just cut it out and then dispose of it somewhere he was keeping the body parts yeah. with him and he's obviously having fun with it like the fact that he sent an, yeah it's gross yeah it is gross so as what, far as everyone knows say? it was just that oh he he sent the letter like the i shouldn't say the letter the envelope oh with the cutout and it was addressed with the cutout letters oh, to her Jesus. so as far as everyone knows pretty sure this is the monster's last killing uh he stopped in 1985 so over 11 years there had been 14 deaths seven couples shot all with the same gun that doesn't include the 1968 killing because they're not 100 percent certain that it was committed by the monster uh-huh. but that's going to be the end of this episode, just talking about the crimes. But I will just give you a little bit of an information about what's going to happen on the next episode. We are going to talk about the fact that the Carbonieri and the Polizia really take advantage of a lot of people that they arrest. We're going to talk about the fact that they start to connect it from a, to a satanic cult and they believe that the body parts are being collected for black mass. Mm. We're going to talk about the fact that Mario Spezzi gets arrested as being a suspect for as of the monster. He gets arrested and suspected of being the monster. Douglas Preston gets arrested and suspected of being as being... A, an accomplice to Mario's Betsy. And it, it is just... Point, they're just desperate. Crazy. Crazy. Like, I, I've read a lot of crazy judicial processes and all the mm-hmm. that stuff in cases like where it's just like wrong thing after wrong thing. And it, even the case we did a couple of weeks ago with um, Hollywood Ripper, it wasn't great. But this is like a whole nother level of insanity like chaos basically so yes. many of these like horrific killings at, at this point they're like we just need to find them or we'll arrest yeah. anyone who we need to it's like we just want to show the people that we're doing something yeah, it doesn't yeah. even matter if it's right it's absolutely insane so you guys are gonna have to stay tuned for the next week's episode to see what goes on with that but it's it's crazy so just as we near the end of this episode caitlin what did you what do you think so far what are your thoughts oh just as horrible as i feared it would be i it's crazy too because I'm picturing Florence because I was there you know recently and I can like this almost idyllic um like super nice exactly how you imagine like Italy the you know beautiful and stuff and then I guess right on the outskirts of it like some of the most horrible killings are occurring yeah it it's so weird too just having been there and knowing all this stuff like I can't even imagine the panic that must have been spreading in Florence, like just knowing the anticipation of knowing summer's coming Mm -hmm. and that's when the monster is striking Mm -hmm. is 
insane. And also another thing people don't know, because here's it's kind of weird to me, but a lot of times, I mean, you'll hear about American serial killers literally all the time because, I mean, we do have quite a few of crazy serial killers, but there, the monster of Florence is hardly ever talked about in like mainstream true crime that I've seen at least. But this case is like crazy. I mean, it has connections with the Zodiac killer and then, you know, Hannibal Lecter. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's partially based off the monster of Florence mm. and people just don't know that like Thomas Harris, who wrote that whole thing, went to Italy and sat in on trials and, went through the case of the monster of Florence to write his book. Like the monster of Florence is so important in Italian culture. I mean, when I was there in Florence, I turned on the TV and a monster of Florence documentary was playing Mm. today. These murders happened in 1981 and it is so prevalent still in Italian culture. So it's just, it's, it's a big one. It's a big case and it's definitely very gruesome. It's just a lot to think about because then you also have to think about the targets that he, you know, the the victims of his killings. And it's like, it's not just random, like this girl, this other guy at some point. It's like couples, you know, during like intimate moments and stuff. It's just Yeah, it's like, scary. Oh, I, I, and it's so sad, too, because so many of the victims were like really young. young and yeah. It's just like there a lot of them were about to get married. And it's just, yeah, it's tragic. It really is tragic. And on that note. I say that we should move into my favorite segment. Happy things. I'm shaking my head at Emma. You haven't been been here since that sound effect came into play. First of all, did not expect that sound effect. And man, that's a tough transition. You know what? That, that Do, sound effect, play the, here, that sound I'll play the sound again. <laughs> it makes it sound much easier to transition to happy things than it is in real life. I'm still... Just <sighs> shake it Stop off. thinking about Italy. Talk, think about I uh, love Italy. You're kind of Italy is beautiful. Me. I mean, I, Caitlin, why don't you start? I think you should recount some of your happy things. Or do you want me to go first? I'm trying to think of all my happy things from Europe, and then every time <laughs> I think of Italy, I'm just like Florence nipple, uh, car sex, <laughs> and I start twitching, and it's terrible. <laughs> I okay, you go, you go. Someone reading your mind right now would be. Scarred. terrified yeah. they're not just pasta and murder in my head they're gonna be very confused You're like pasta italian cooking class ah murder <laughs> um okay my happy things well we are okay this is a weird happy thing people are gonna think i'm weird for this but we're about to start college that's kind of crazy that's and i'm not weird i'm kind of excited it for is it. exciting I'm i know super it's like going back to school but honestly i'm super excited I'm going to a school that I really like. Caitlin, I wish you were going with me first semester. Oh, I can't, but I can't wait. I just found out who my roommates are. They seem oh, you, oh my God, I gotta literally ask so that. nice. They they seem super cool. I'm excited. I hope they haven't um, made their first impression of me based off the fact that I talk about murder once a week. They're like, huh. But they Google I'm a sex. They're like, <laughs> what's this podcast? They start listening to it. They're like, um, I'm going to need a room switch absolutely immediately or they're gonna feel extra safe because there was someone who know knows know that all as about soon as we safe. become friends i'm gonna ask them to be on the podcast as soon but as we become friends you're gonna be like so what do you know about the monster of florence because let me tell you do you, you know got, anything about true crime do you have 45 minutes i, I you got 45 minutes and open ears <laughs> but um i'm really excited to start school i'm taking some interesting classes i finally have my schedule worked out and like i'm just 
excited, you know? I think it's going to be yeah. really cool to start college. And I'm in the midst of, like, packing and getting all this, like, stuff for my room. And it's kind of just, set in, like, settling in that it's real and it's coming soon. So yeah, I'm, going, I'm excited. I'm going dorm shopping today. Me so too. it's very real. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> it's very See real. See what Beth me on. It's, like, kind of real, but also kind of, like, scary. I don't know. Like, of course, I'm, like, nervous about it. I'm not like I still feel like a child. I don't know if I'm ready to like go <laughs> off on my own, but in like on the other hand, I'm like super excited. Like this kind of what everything is building up to. I love my roommate. She's amazing, and like I, you know, I'm majoring in what I want to major in. The college I'm going to is like I love it, and then after that, I'm gonna go to another college I love when I transfer. So I'm just I'm excited. Like it's yeah. cool. Yeah, and I know it's like part of me is like uh school but then the other part of me is like yeah but it's like a new adventure almost like I was I'm very done with high school because it's um, the same thing over and over again this is like more flexible more independent and more I feel like older I'm in Caitlin like older by year is gonna listen back to this podcast like oh god I know we were mistaken like I was like I'll save the dread for next year when I actually know it's coming we we're allowed to have this innocence right now okay let us have this before we actually know what college (laughs) I'm gonna get a bunch of dms oh Oh my gosh also that's another exciting thing like another I have to add on one more happy thing I started getting like our the instagram follow us on instagram at horrible things podcast has been doing really well recently and Noelle's been helping me out a lot with it my sister and I got like a couple dms through like since a couple weeks ago I guess like somebody sent me like a suggestion of something we could do as a podcast topic somebody um sent me a left like, nipple <laughs> oh my god <laughs> I, I would literally I'm not sure who that was from but yeah, uh, <laughs> uh thanks but no <laughs> but um somebody sent me like something about how they really liked the podcast and then someone told me that they were like they thought it was cool that it was like young people doing a podcast on their own and oh, whatnot that's cool. yeah. and I was like it's really really nice to hear from people that listen to the podcast because it's so much work and it makes it worth it it's, to like yeah. know people actually like the stuff that we're making and Thank this is the 10th episode that's happy 10th happy 10th episode, episode. you've been Thank here for you. more than half the episodes they i'm so i'm blessed i'm terrified and scarred for life but also blessed <laughs> i would like to thank everyone for listening this emma's very happy that you all are listening i, I am really happy am. you're all listening and i'm starting patreon soon so i'm hell yeah that's that how that you too. know it's real you're you're a real podcaster when you I have know. a Patreon. and i'm making stickers Woo! yeah i'm excited so caitlin now that i've shared way too many of my happy things <laughs> What's, you can what's never have thing? enough after what we just talked about. <laughs> <sighs> um, let me think. Well, no. I just well, I just got back from Europe, so I've been adjusting to the time change again. But I kind of wanted to get right back into things. So my roommate, who is from Wisconsin, I guess it's my happy thing right now because it's happening right now. But she's visiting because she has a college orientation mine was on a different day but she had to travel anyways down here to go to hers and so I offered for her to stay with us so she's she flew in yesterday so I got basically a good amount of the day yesterday with her and so she's staying with me for the next two days and I'm very excited how does she like it here she loves it she was saying how like southern california everyone in wisconsin sees her as like the californian girl because she has like this blonde hair and she like just loves california and i took her to in and out for the first time yesterday <gasps> she was oh my gosh she was having a great time she, she was, liked it i assume 
oh she loved it hunter my boyfriend was with us and he um got all of us the little like and he asked for the in and out hats the little, like, that's so cute yeah so we all wore them and it was the cheesiest like most touristy thing ever but i was like she's having a good time so we're just you know but she's like the sweetest person in the world and we basically like got along so fast and i'm in the right now I'm educating her because we're both film majors, but she hasn't seen a bunch of movies. So, which is kind of funny, but she just likes the process of making the movies. So I was like, you know what? I got to show you my favorite films. So that's what you show her um, Monster House. That's sacred. Yeah, we can only watch that in October (laughs) and we have to, it has to be. I feel like every single time I go to your house, I either watch Monster House or Flushed Away. Monster House (laughs) is a great movie. Flushed Away, also a great movie. Flushed Away, (laughs) objectively the best movie ever created. About a rat? Uh, Check yourself. Freaking Hugh Jackman is the voice of Rodney Rodney the Rat, (laughs) by the way. That's his name. That's so awesome. Well, there you go, guys. Those are our happy things for this week. Um, still thinking about the monster of Florence, but I'm gonna. I'm gonna well, you'll ha- it's because you don't have a resolution. There uh, is a part two. So thank you guys so much for listening to this very gruesome, but part one episode of the monster of Florence on horrible things. Uh, I appreciate you guys so so much. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast at all. If you want to leave a rate and review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, that is always amazing because it helps us be able to be searched by more people there's a lot of true crime podcasts out there but if you leave a review it makes it a little easier for us uh if you haven't had enough of us here and you want to find us other places go ahead and follow us on instagram at horrible things podcast on facebook at horrible things podcast on twitter at horrible things p and you can just kind of find us other places caitlin what's your instagram um oh at katie foo in minds you can figure out this at one. horrible things podcast if if you're listening to this episode right now and you just want to like kind of show us like yeah I'm, i support you i'm listening to this episode right now send a flirty dm to the horrible things podcast instagram <laughs> let me then hear your we'll best know. pickup line just send us your best fl- flirtatious pickup line <laughs> and hit on the podcast instagram so yes. that's uh that's our mission for you double points if it's true crime related somehow mm-hmm. and as always just thank you guys so, so much for listening. We will have a Patreon up within the next couple weeks, and I'm going to be putting all the content on YouTube within the next few weeks, so that should be really exciting, and I will give an update on the podcast when that actually happens, but just keep your eyes open for that. Uh, thank you guys so, so much, and remember, we <laughs> usually insert a funny, a little, funny little joke, joke here, but we quip. realized that this episode didn't really have that because it's so gruesome. Not funny at all. This is... So we're just going to end it by doing this. So don't do horrible things. I see. You have to freestyle over this. Uh, yo.